the first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. I had a friend who was a few grades older than me. He was more like a brother figure. And I told him what happened. I really trusted him and I was telling him what happened. And he immediately told me, you need to tell your parents and you need to go to the police. This is really bad. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm here with Alexis Linkletter. And you know what? Before we started recording, I was doing some edits to uh, some of our video content. And you know what? We're hilarious. I'm very excited about it. I watched the video today on Patreon and I was cracking. <laughs> I also have very terrible memory. So when it comes to these things, so I'm like, oh my God, it was like hearing these jokes for the first time. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like 51st States for you. Yeah. Every time we record and you can watch it now on video. So it's like you actually were there. Yeah. If you're not a member of our Patreon, the first the underground is popping off. We have so much video content there, exclusive merch, all the good things. All good things. It's a great time to join. Um, Do we have any more housekeeping for today? No, I don't think so. I think it's time to dig in to jump right into the day. So today is Wednesday, December 7th. Oh my gosh, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas and the holidays. The days kind of suck. It's letter writing day, which I like. I feel like writing letters is a lost art. So maybe you can write a loved one a letter for the holidays. That's a great idea. Or write yourself a letter in your little diary or journal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just in case you something happens to you, write in some details, you know, if anything is going astray. Where you're going, what you're doing, who you're doing it with. Exactly. Those types of things. As for food, it's National Cotton Candy Day. Not a fa- fan of cotton candy. Not a huge fan. And then National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. So those are the days important for day. that. Very important day. So I do think that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. On the first degree, we pride ourselves on telling some really incredible stories where women and children are harmed, assaulted, or exploited, and they fight like hell for justice and prevail in getting it. The type of justice I'm talking about is the type that unfolds in a courtroom, where the monsters in these stories are found guilty. But not everyone who is harmed and brave and does everything right gets the justice they deserve. Sometimes the bad guys get away with it. Sometimes evil forces take the lead. But today we're going to show you that just because the bad guys get away with it doesn't have to mean that they win. And the justice system failing a victim doesn't have to break them. So today's case is taking us back to Saturday, May 4th of 2013. That is a May the 4th be with you day, I think, for all those Star Wars fans out there. Songs that were topping the charts were Just Give Me a Reason by Pink, which was a great song. Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis and Gangnam Style that we all will remember that just haunts our memories. True Blood was one of the biggest shows on TV at the time. And I never really watched that, but everybody loved it. Oh, I did. Did you? Oh, yes. Who's the hot guy that's on it? Uh, was it Joe Manganiello? No, the other one. Um, oh, the Suki. tall guy. 
That one? Yeah. Oh, Sookie. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Sookie. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, the top movie at the theaters was Iron Man 3, and Barack Obama was the president at the time. And the setting for today's case is Rockwall, Texas, which is part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Rockwall is on the east shore of Lake Ray Hubbard, about 20 miles northeast of Dallas. And the name Rockwall is derived from a naturally jointed geological formation, which has the appearance of an artificial wall. So that makes sense. So fun fact about Rockwall, conspiracy theorist Alex Jones grew up in Rockwall during the 1980s and early 90s. Hate that guy. Other than that, Rockwall is your typical Texas suburban setting. And our first degree, Dawson, who I think has the most beautiful name, by the way. Dawson, I know you're listening. I love it. Beautiful. And this is where Dawson grew up. I grew up in Rockwall, Texas. It's about 30 minutes east of Dallas. And where this incident happened was in a town called Rowlett, Texas, which is just across the bridge from Rockwall. So it's a neighboring town. And I would say Rockwall is a good mixture of middle class and McMansions, not a lot in between. It was a good place to grow up and live my childhood, but I feel like in high school, there wasn't a lot to do aside from house parties and that sort of thing. So it can be kind of boring at times, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So obviously, all high school students get bored because there's never anything fun to do in the burbs. So when there is a house party, everyone gets on board. And when Dawson was a high school freshman, she was always up for a fun kickback. And who wouldn't be? I was a freshman in high school. I started dating my first boyfriend ever. I want to say it was the summer before my freshman year. And he was my first everything. And you know, those loves when you're young. It just feels like the whole world. We broke up right before spring break. And a friend of mine, she was kind of in the party scene, hung out with older people. And she took me under her wing and started bringing me to parties. And I started to really enjoy that environment. And I think a big part of it was because I was going through a breakup, which, like I said, at that time, it just feels like the end of the world. So It was really a way to distract me going to these parties and drinking and having fun. So everybody listening, we've all been through heartache. And when you're going through a broken heart, you really do need distractions to move through it. I mean, Lex and I have gone through many broken hearts together. We've seen each other kind of at the worst during it. And it's like, sometimes you got to get under somebody else. Sometimes you got to drink your face off. Sometimes you just need to distract yourself, right? It's very common. It's very normal at any age. I think most people who have been in a relationship can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, sometimes you need to let loose and just forget about being heartbroken because it's very consuming. You might want to reinvent yourself, get to know new people and kind of show your ex to suck it and that you don't need them. And it's normal to want to go out and flirt and remind yourself that you can do better than the jerk who broke up with you. So, Dawson was meeting a lot of new people during this phase in her life. And a lot of the people that she found herself hanging out with were in the grade above her. For the most part, they were about a grade older or the same age. So not too much older. It wasn't a solid group per se. It was kind of a mixture of a lot of different people, like guys and girls, like as in like friendships. I did, you know, have a few flings and 
I guess I want to call them like rebound relationships, trying to get over my relationship. So in this exciting new group of people, Dawson found herself getting close with a new girlfriend, and we're going to call her Alice, not her real name. So they had a lot in common at this phase in their lives, and they became this duo who would go have fun together. And Dawson had really come to trust Alice as they got closer and spent more and more time together. As I was experiencing like the party culture kind of thing, I started to become friends with. But we were both kind of down for whatever, always down to go to a house party or just have a good time, I guess. I knew her pretty well. We went to eighth grade together and she at that point was really one of my best friends. I mean, I feel like you become really close to someone really fast when you're younger, but it was like two months of us just hanging out together nonstop. So I really trusted her and valued her as a friend. So Dawson was at Alice's house one afternoon and Alice was on her phone texting with a guy named Brendan. And Brendan told her that he was having people over later that night. And Dawson didn't really know Brendan that well. She kind of just knew of him from having some mutual friends in common. So Brendan and his brother were kind of known to throw these really fun parties. And apparently they had a pretty relaxed situation with their parents and they kind of just let them do whatever they wanted to do. So Brendan invited Alice and Dawson later that night to come over. They were having a small get together there and invited us over And we had nothing to do, so we said, why not? And we went over there, lied to our parents, and I think that was a big part of it. Like, my mom was super strict, and I think the rebellious side was made it a little more fun. We got there, and it was just a group of guys, and we were the only two girls there, which should have been the first red flag in my mind. And I feel like we've all been there. Like when you're the only girl or woman who walks into a room full of men and all of their attention turns at the very same time, there's just this massive energy shift that happens and you sort of feel like a piece of meat. But even if it's not over, it's just sort of a strange feeling. Dawson didn't actually know that she and Alice would be the only two girls with all these dudes there. And it caught her a little bit off guard, but not enough to not want to be there. She was up to have some fun. She wanted a nice social evening. And for context, Dawson's parents were strict. Like she said, she needed to sneak out to go to this party. And she was in a phase in her life where she was rebelling. And it was fun for her to sneak out of the house and go to this party. And I remember doing this when I was in high school too. It was kind of like adrenaline rush, fun. And it's also harmless. You get back, no harm done, right? Like we have those nights, I feel like. And I feel like most people have. So let's talk a little more about who lived at this house. We told you it was two brothers, but we're going to let Dawson elaborate. The two brothers kind of had this reputation of their parents didn't really care what they did. They got to have parties and drink and do whatever they wanted. So they were, I guess you could say, a little rebellious and just kind of had that they can do whatever and didn't really give a fuck attitude. So like we said, this group that was at this house was a smallish group. It was the two girls and just a handful of guys. I want to say around six. I vaguely remember a few guys that were in my grade coming in and out. So it's really just drinking and sitting around, listening to music. There wasn't really anything big going on. I remember they had a fire in the backyard and we were all just sitting around it drinking and nothing too fun. But I feel like back then, I mean, drinking was 
just fun for me in itself. A fire pit, some alcohol. High school students aren't really picky, so this does sound like a blast. We've all been to kind of hangouts like this, and it's really fun when you're a teenager. So Dawson is at this party. She's socializing, and she's talking to some of the people who were there. Nothing out of the ordinary. And of course, the dudes who were there turned their attention to the only two girls of the party. Like Alexa said, we've all kind of been in that situation where, you know, ton of guys, sausage party, and two ladies. Totally. And to give you some context, and this will be important later, there is more than one villain in the story. In fact, there are several, but there is a ringleader. And the ringleader is Brandon. And he's one of the people who live at this party house. And something to also know is that a couple of the guys who were there that night, they had girlfriends. So again, it's not like Dawson is thinking she's going to meet a guy who's going to be a romantic interest. This is all platonic, friends hanging out, nothing beyond that. I didn't really hang out with them prior to this. They were definitely flirty with us, but I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm gonna hang out with this cute boy. It wasn't anything like that. And I know that two of them, the ringleader and Greg, they had girlfriends at the time. So I'm not thinking anything is going to happen, nor did I really want it to. In my head, this is strictly platonic, hanging out, drinking. So obviously their intentions were different, but by no means did I think anything was going to happen that night. So Dawson remembers one of them pouring her a drink. I was drinking one of those tall boy strawberry cans. And to this day, I can like taste it in my head and it makes me want to like throw up. <laughs> They're so disgusting. But I was drinking one of those strawberitas and I don't know what prompted this, but I recall one of them pouring the strawberita into a separate solo cup. I didn't really question it. I was like, okay. And I continued drinking it. Dawson is drinking her strawberita and just trying to have a good time. So I'm a small person. I'm like five foot So I'm definitely a lightweight. So Dawson got very drunk very quickly, and she suspects that she was drugged, but that's not been proven. It was never proven that something was in my drink, so I don't know if they did. I wouldn't be surprised, but that's something I've never been able to prove or know. Dawson was intoxicated, and before she knew it, she was sitting on Brendan's brother's lap. And remember, this is their house, and this is their party. The next thing I knew, I was sitting in the brother's lap, the brother of the ringleader, we'll call him Daniel, and we were kissing. And I remember the kissing was really aggressive and he was biting my lips super hard. And in my head, I wanted to say, ah, stop, like it's a little much, but it felt like I physically weak and physically couldn't move. I felt just stuck in my head in that moment. So this uncomfortable, aggressive kissing is one of the last things that Dawson remembers before things go black. Later, she would have recollections that she describes as being like clips playing back in her mind that came back sort of in flashes and bits and pieces over time. I remember we were kissing and then I black out. And then the next thing I knew, I was propped up against the wall inside and he was ejaculating all over me. And that's something that will always stick with me, just like the feeling of it, because it's so... It just felt like I was completely an object. That's the next thing I remember. And when it comes to like, you know, a consensual relationship, if that's your thing, like that's totally okay. I'm not trying to yuck someone's yum, but it's like to do that to someone who's 
not even conscious. It's just disgusting. So to be very, very clear, Dawson did not consent to anything that was going on. She was incapacitated, she was blacked out, and she didn't want any of this to happen. She was still drunk and helpless as this nightmare continued to unfold. Yeah, and my question is, where was Dawson's quote-unquote friend, Alice, while all of this was happening? I just remember I was super wasted, and Alice, I think she was hanging out with them in the backyard, and so she came in and helped me in the bathroom. I don't remember what I said. I just remember she helped clean me up a little bit. And then she put me to bed in one of the bedrooms. But the night wasn't over. And the guys at this party weren't done taking advantage of Dawson's vulnerable state. This is where I only remember, I call it like a clip. I remember one small clip of me laying on the bed and all four boys were around me. And one was by my legs. And then I remember one was putting his penis in my mouth. And I recall really quietly, like, trying to say, like, I want my mom. I want to leave. I don't even know if my words came out. But then I woke up the next morning. Honestly, I'm so shocked that kids do this to one another, that, like, these four high school guys would do this to a drunk, incapacitated, you know, acquaintance. It's so mind-blowing to me and I'm sure devastating to have experienced it. I mean, it's just so fucked up that as women, we have to be on the defense in any situation like that. But when you're in high school, it's like you... I didn't learn about people drugging your drinks and all of that kind of stuff when you were you were a kid. It's like you're trying to worry about like having crushes on boys and finishing your homework. It's really such a fucked up situation to have to even be put in. Absolutely. And so when Dawson woke up, she was still at this house where this had occurred, where she had been assaulted by these four guys. And Alice was still there too. So Dawson was disoriented and she wasn't clear on exactly what had happened. All she had were these little clips that she could barely understand. She was anxious. She was confused. And she had no idea how to react to these things that she did remember. We went back to Alice's super early in the morning. And I kind of asked her what had happened. And she was like, oh, you had sex with them. I just felt really weird because that's not something I would have ever wanted to do. And she was like, you only live once, like sex is fun. You know, it's, it's all good. And I think for a moment I was like, sure. But I knew like something is not right. They did something very wrong. And I remember the ringleader and Greg texting me, kind of checking in and they were pretending to be nice, but I know they were just worried about how I was going to react. Things definitely weren't all good. Dawson felt a rush of emotion and she was scared as well. She was upset. The gravity of what happened was only starting to sink in. She called a friend of hers to try to process what happened because obviously Alice wasn't being helpful in that department. I had a friend who was a few grades older than me. He was more like a brother figure. And I told him what happened. I really trusted him and I was telling him what happened. And he immediately told me, You need to tell your parents and you need to go to the police. This is really bad. Yeah, this was really bad. Finally, a voice of reason and support. Finally, someone validating this traumatic event that had just happened. 
But also when things like this happen to children, and yeah, let's not forget, Dawson is a literal child in high school. It's very difficult to muster the strength to go to your parents and explain an assault like this. I mean, I try to put myself in Dawson's position in working myself. I don't think I could do it. I I really, I think I probably would have been like, sweep it under the rug. I don't want to think about it. You know, I don't know that I would have had the courage to do this. So Dawson is hardcore. And some people aren't lucky enough to have parents who would understand. It takes an incredible amount of strength to tell an adult and ask for help. And it's a very scary can of worms to open when you think about the path she has to to go, you know, if you're going to go try to press charges and all that comes with that. But Dawson, she was able to do it, which is incredible. I am very close to my dad. He's like my best friend. My mom was really scary back then to me. Uh, She was super strict and I didn't want her to find out. I knew she would. I knew I had to tell her, but I wanted to wait to tell her. I really wanted to tell my dad first. So the first day we didn't tell my mom, my parents were divorced by the way. And so that's what I did. I told my dad and we went to the Rowlett Police Department and told them. So now Dawson had to recount what happened to a police officer. And this really is one of the things that a lot of rape and sexual assault survivors completely dread doing. Like, imagine how hard it is to tell your parent. Now you're telling a police officer, like, you a don't know stranger. how they're going to react. Ugh. It's it's so fucking terrifying. And then you have to pour over all these details of how you were violated. And the whole thing is just awful. And I can't even imagine having to do that. So there's also, of course, the risk of not being believed after you're putting yourself in this vulnerable position after being completely traumatized. We went to the Rowlett Police Department and the police officer, he wasn't shaming me or anything like that. I hear so many stories where the cop is kind of shaming the woman. So I'm grateful for that, but he was kind of just very matter of fact. And I remember giving him my clothes so they could test them. And then right after that, I went and got a SANE exam and I had to get STD testing. I had to take a plan B pill and The nurse told me that my vagina was extremely bruised, had cuts and lacerations, and then my throat and mouth was extremely bruised as well. So this was a lot for Dawson to process, and it would be a lot for, obviously, anybody to process. I don't think you ever fully heal from this. When she told me about the condition my body was in, I really just felt disgusting, and I think I started to blame myself of why did I put myself in that situation? Why did I drink? Why did I lie to my parents? I I truly just blamed myself in that moment and felt disgusting. Yeah, this is heavy stuff. And pursuing charges against these boys was a scary prospect. She didn't want to go through this alone. So Dawson confided in Alice and told her what was happening. And as she spoke with Alice, she learned a new horrible detail about what had happened that night. I was still texting Alice at that time. I still really trusted her and was opening up to her about what I was doing. And I started figuring out that they had videoed a lot of what they did and took photos. And I was told that the owner of the house was hiding in the closet while I went to bed and waiting. I don't know how true this is, but that's what I was told. So this whole situation is fucking outrageous. It's an absolute 
nightmare. And for Dawson, the scenario was turning into just more and more of the most traumatizing thing that has ever happened to her. So she was horrified with the realization that there was video and photo evidence of her assault that could be floating around amongst her peers in her high school. And things were about to get worse. Alice was about to betray her. As I was talking to Alice, I think she had tipped off the boys that I had gone to the police. Alice gave those four guys who assaulted Dawson a heads up that Dawson had gone to the police. So what did they do? So they decided to try to get ahead of the investigation and craft their own narrative about what happened that night. A narrative that was very far from the truth, and they painted Dawson as a liar. There were four of them that would ultimately go up against Dawson, who found herself fighting against them all by herself. In that moment, I believe they decided that they wanted to be the victim and they wanted to get their story out first before other people could figure out that I went to the police. So there was this narrative that they created that I was a whore that slept with them and regretted it. And I was going to the police because I was embarrassed. And so when I went to school two days after, the tweets were flooding in. The suspects and their supporters took to social media to express their opinions on what had happened. And this happened quickly, savagely, and brutally. I can still, like, clear as day, like, see them in my head. It's like, well, if you can't handle your alcohol, don't drink. Just admit you're a slut and that you wanted it. I remember one girl tweeted, well, you're going to have to go lesbian now because no guy's ever going to want you, which, like, So what if I was lesbian, but like, who the fuck says that? And they just created this narrative that they were the victims and that I was trying to ruin their life. Being ganged up on like this in this way is super, we keep using the word traumatizing, but as someone who endured a lot of trauma in high school, like I feel this viscerally because high school kids can be savage. They can be so mean. And I was lucky enough And Jack, too, you know, social media was in its infancy when we were in high school. Yeah. But the internet now is just horrible. And the public commentary about something so personal and so upsetting rattled Dawson to her core. Like, people were talking about this on Twitter. She had no idea what to do, who to turn to, or how to make it stop. And so, you know, another thing that was about to bubble over was, remember, a couple of the guys who did this to her had girlfriends at the time that Dawson was assaulted. And wouldn't you know, they took their boyfriend's side. One of their girlfriends, she was very intimidating. She was two grades older than me. She like pulled me aside at lunch and told me my life was over. My reputation's ruined and I really fucked up. And yeah, so they really just painted me out to be this monster. So for anyone listening who isn't in high school, try to put yourself back there at that age where every emotion is so acute, when you're experiencing certain types of pain for the very first time, you're learning the super hard lessons. Everything's visceral. Everything hurts so much. Yeah. And, you know, imagine a girl, an older mean girl pulling you aside and saying something like this to you. This kind of bullying is so dangerous. And high school children who experience things like this are sometimes driven to take their own lives. Like this is serious shit. And So those of you listening with high school-aged children, talk to them about being good role models and look at their social media accounts. Make sure they're not bullying and make sure they're not being bullied. I think a lot of kids who are more introverted keep this kind of stuff to themselves. Yeah. And parents need to be vigilant because this is happening. This is still happening, even though we know the dangers. 
Well, yeah. And like you were saying, when you're in high school, you kind of think that that is the end all be all like that is your entire life. You can't see outside of it. You're very like myopic in the way that you're thinking. So to even imagine, you know, we've experienced this shit in high school, but like nothing was that people are bullying each other for no reason. And it's like, you're literally going through the most traumatizing experience of your entire life. And then on top of that, everybody in your entire life is turning against you. Like it's, it's truly, truly fucking unbelievable. And during all this, Dawson's trying to defend herself, but obviously responding to and engaging with all the social media bullying, it's only making her situation so much worse. It felt so frustrating I never wanted everyone to know what had happened, but because they did, I felt this obligation to like defend myself on Twitter. Looking back, I wish for my mental health, I would have just got off social media because it really wasn't good to see all that stuff, but it's hard to not want to see what people are saying about you. And it's hard when everyone knows anyway, it's hard to not want to defend yourself. But because I was defending myself, people were like, oh, you just like the drama. You just can't stop with the drama. That's why you're doing this. You want attention. But if I wouldn't have stuck up for myself, I would have just kind of got off the grid. Then I think people would have said, if that really happened, why aren't you sticking up for yourself? Like it was really, I couldn't win. So I shouldn't have regrets, but a part of me wishes I would have just got off social media for my like mental health and sanity. Yeah. And it's making her feel worse, you know, like engaging with people who are ripping your character apart is painful. Yeah. So people bully on the internet and disguise it as advocating for a person or cause. Even if you think you're on the right side of an argument or situation, you're not allowed to disguise bullying as advocacy. You're just not. So with Dawson, to make matters worse, her mom was on Twitter and trying to defend her to all these people saying these things, which just was like more mortifying and upsetting. It was a really shitty thing. And even my mom was on Twitter and she would clap back at people and I would be like, mom, it's so embarrassing. Like, this is bad enough. And she'd be like, well, you're my kid. I'm going to I'm going to stick up for you. I don't give a fuck. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is becoming insane. And there was just really no escaping it. Again, we've used nightmare a million times, but this is an actual fucking nightmare. So as all of this chaos is ensuing on the internet, the police began their investigation and they started by speaking to the four suspects and then they arrested them. And then things got even worse. They started interviewing them. And I know that they came to the school and arrested them. And that's when like the floodgates opened and everyone was like, this is so sad. This is awful on social media. I mean, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Fox 4 News also got a hold of the story. And because the ringleader, he was 17. So he was considered an adult in Texas. His mugshot was plastered on the news. He was kind of the main focus of the segment. Of course, they mentioned the other boys but not their names because they were minors. But that was insane to me. And people then started saying that I wanted it to be on the news. And I'm an actress. I have been for a long time. So people started saying, oh, this is just part of your acting career, huh? And I was just like, who would want this? This is not good attention. This is not something anyone would want. Come on. 
Yeah, um, sympathy and support came pouring in for the four suspects. And a link to this news story was posted on Facebook, and there were many, many, many comments under it. I mean, there were some people who were very amazing and commenting like, this poor girl, like, this is awful. But then there were some people commenting, well, let's not point fingers. There's a lot of men who their lives are ruined because of girls like this who lie and stuff like that. So Dawson was being attacked from every angle, from students, from parents of the kids she went to school with, and the four boys who sexually assaulted her, their girlfriends. It's just like, this is how these situations unfold slowly. Like, this is a perfect example of of how this happens and how people get away with things like this. And this is overwhelming for a high school-aged girl. But this is what she's dealing with, and it's heavy shit for someone her age. Rockwell is such a small town, too, and not only were the kids mean, but it's a very conservative town, and so the parents didn't want me to hang out with their kid. And I remember one friend, my profile picture was us two together, and she said, hey, my mom says you have to change that because of everything that's happening. And so not only were the kids awful, but the parents were, too. And guess what? I'm sure this is not surprising at all, but Alice, you know, Dawson's quote-unquote friend, she turned on her, too. She turned on me, and we pretty quickly just became, it was almost like we were enemies because I don't necessarily think that she was team ringleader, team boys, but I think she just wanted to go with the crowd and what the majority believed so she wouldn't look bad. She could have easily defended me and took my side on social media and stuff like that, but I think that would have looked worse for her in her head. So she just kind of followed the crowd and started going with the masses. It sucks, but I don't ever think our relationship was like that deep. I think it was just like we like to party and have fun. And while it sucked, it didn't feel like a huge loss because I think our only thing in common was being social and doing things like that. And I started to realize how fucked up it was that she just kind of let that happen. So it wasn't too hard to get over, but it was just very frustrating more than anything. So Alice wasn't a strong enough person to do what was right in this situation. She cared about being popular and she didn't stand by her friend. And that's really fucking shitty. If she would have totally took my side, like her high school rep would have been ruined as well because people would have said that she's ruining their lives too. So I'm not saying what she did is right and that I would have done that. I'm just saying I think that's why she went with the masses because it was either, okay, move forward and still have, you know, my high school career and still have friends and blah, 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 or go with Dawson and everyone hate me too. So as the investigation into Dawson's assault continued, attention was turned to the videos and photos that the suspects allegedly took. So what happened to them? Luckily, they were never sent out. From what I remember, there were some boys at the party who were kind of coming in and out to the get-together. They weren't involved with what happened to me, but they were around at the house. And they had showed one of them the photos. But luckily, the photos and videos were not sent around. I think that they realized I went to the police because it happened so fast. I have a feeling they just deleted everything and were like, oh, we got to get rid of all this stuff. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, the police and the DA were working the case, but it was a really, really slow-moving process. They got then handed over to the district attorney in Rockwall, where I'm from, and they kept me in the loop as much as they could. There was a lot they couldn't tell me. 
So I would go like a few months without hearing anything and then I would get a small update. And the boys, they were all sent to an alternative school for kids who get in trouble. So they were all four going there. And I ended up switching schools to a neighboring high school just because it was too much at that school. Dawson's peers were so relentless in the harassment that she was forced to switch schools to get it to stop. And this totally derailed her high school experience, as it would anyone's. It was almost the end of the school year. So there's two high schools in Rockwall. I was at Rockwall High School, and there's a high school called Rockwall Heath High School. And my cousin went there, and I had a few friends that were supportive of me there, and I just felt more comfortable. And yeah, it was basically just all the bullying, and I really just didn't feel safe like being at that school. The school district granted me a transfer for free because usually it's a whole process if you want to transfer schools, but you don't live in the district, but they didn't even question it. And they allowed me to go there. Like it was almost like the next week. More months passed before Dawson finally heard the DA was presenting the case to a grand jury. And in this process, it's to determine whether there's enough to indict the suspects. I was told that it was going to be put in motion to go before a grand jury. But at that time, I was also being made aware that they were having tons and tons of people going to the courthouse and signing statements, like talking about my character. So basically saying I was a slut. I was an alcoholic. I had sex prior to this. So like, why would this be any different? Stuff like that. To make matters worse, the boys had hired a high profile attorney to represent them. The DA had let us know that they had gathered like 30 affidavits just trashing my character. And the ringleader and his brother, their defense attorney was actually Darlie Routier's defense attorney. Because everything that happened to her happened in Rowlett too. So side note, if you don't know who Darlie Rudier is, she's a woman at the center of an extremely high-profile and controversial Texas case. She was sentenced to death for the murder of her five-year-old son, Damon, in 1996, and she was also charged with the murder of her six-year-old son, Devin, who was killed at the same time as Damon. So Darlie claimed that an intruder killed her sons, and she's always maintained her innocence, and people are really split on whether or not she's guilty. So that being said, the fact that the suspects hired her attorney was a huge deal in this community. So I was like, oh, God, like this guy had a high profile case. I mean, I don't know how this is going to go. And I think he kind of like orchestrated getting these like statements and affidavits. And there were rumors that the brother's parents were paying people to do it. I don't know how much that's true, but basically it was me against the world and it was them shaving my character to get a win. So this whole thing is so disheartening and there wasn't much more that Dawson could do. She dealt with everything the best that she could and just really tried to distract herself. I was supposed to be laying a low profile because if I was seen out or if I was seen doing things that could come back to bite me in the ass. But after this had happened, I really struggled with alcohol abuse, with substance abuse, drug abuse, because I was so depressed and I didn't know any other way to heal my trauma. So I thought I'll just amp up the partying and have quote unquote fun. But I really struggled with addiction issues. And I think a part of those statements were people seeing me at these events or seeing me drunk or drinking and to, you know, maybe the jury or to their defense attorney, whoever. It's like, okay, well, obviously she's not that upset because she's still 
drinking and doing things. So it must not be that bad for her. And something I want to point out is that you can't tell a sexual assault victim how they should deal with their trauma. As Dawson said, everyone deals with their trauma differently. Trauma looks different on everybody. And it's no one's place to judge how people try to heal what's been broken. Maybe some people would want to, you know, close the curtains and remain inside and not leave the house. And that's totally okay. That's a normal thing because there's no normal way to go about your trauma because I dealt with my trauma with alcohol and drugs and that sort of thing. People took that as, well, she must be doing okay. She must have not really been raped because why would a rape victim still be doing those things? But that's just not true. So as the grand jury hearing approached, Dawson felt the pressure of everything. It felt like the whole world just wanted her to lose and everybody was just villainizing her. The guys who assaulted Dawson continued to receive this unwavering support online and otherwise. So I had all of them blocked on social media, but they had a little posse of friends who were very much on their side that would, you know, tweet, can't wait till you guys are out, like of the alternative school, can't wait till you guys are out, that sort of thing. Like it was almost like they were at war. They were coming home from the war or something. So I had them blocked, but they had a little posse to consistently trash my character on Twitter and support them. So they were very much getting a lot of support on their end. So let's fast forward to April of 2014. It was finally the day of the grand jury hearing. Dawson was so anxious that her parents let her stay home from school that day. I didn't really want to find out the news or have things going on social media while I was at school. So I think my parents had me stay home. And then Dawson's parents got the call. A decision had finally been made. And it was not good news. The four guys who raped Dawson would not be going to trial. They weren't going to be held accountable for what they did to her. They were not going to be prosecuted. Dawson wasn't going to get courtroom justice. She just wasn't. And that was a really tough pill to swallow, given all she had lost and sacrificed in trying to stand up for herself. And it breaks my heart. Hopefully I'm using the correct term, but it's like a no bill. Like they basically, the grand jury was like, well, there's not enough evidence. So they weren't charged and they just like, it didn't go to trial. I was just pretty numb and couldn't even speak really. And the DA, like, that's when she, she just like pulled out the stack of the affidavits. And I had an idea, as I told you, that that was happening before But that's when I really was like, oh, like, shit, like, it really is about 30 people just making statements about me. And I didn't read them. I know some of the people who went in and wrote those statements. I didn't read them or anything. But when I saw that in front of me, I was like, oh, that makes sense of why they don't build this case. Because it was like, it was truly me against the world. So it really felt like she'd gone through all this hell fucking hell for nothing you know she did the right thing she did the brave thing she stood up for herself she told her parents she told police she lost friends and then she was bullied online and what was it all for and she switched schools it's like she gave up everything everything and the system failed
It was really disappointing. It felt like I already knew most people didn't believe me, but it felt like no one was ever going to believe me in that moment. I really wanted people to be there and believe me and care about my story. And so it just felt like that was a lost cause. And as I mentioned, they, the boys were treated as if they were just in war or something and coming back home soon. And so when the news broke, their friends on social media were like, hell yeah, I knew it would all be okay. I'm so glad you guys are going to be back. And they were receiving so much support and it was really disgusting. In addition to Dawson having to come to terms with this defeat, the four suspects were celebrated in their vindication. Dawson had no choice but to keep moving forward. But the trauma of all that had transpired certainly had their implications. I think the hardest part was the trauma and the incident itself, reliving that in my head. Even though I don't remember anything, I, as I called them, clips. I remember certain clips and it brought on a lot of PTSD. So that was very hard for me. And it was really hard to know my reputation was the girl who got raped in my small town. Even people who didn't know me at all, that's what they knew me as. Even once I hit my senior year, luckily the bullying had calmed down and I had a group of friends, but I still knew that that reputation was behind me, following me everywhere I went. I think I was still struggling with alcohol abuse and just trying to distract myself with boys and that sort of thing. I think I kind of just pushed it all to the side for a few years and tried to forget about it. But that was really bad because you feel like you're drowning almost. So I did a lot of therapy and I moved to LA in 2018. I was able to meet new friends and meet people who when they looked at me, they weren't like, oh, you're the girl who got raped, you know, because even people who weren't mean to me, I know that's what they thought of me. It's a small town. I knew that was my reputation. And it was really nice to start fresh. But it took a lot of work to get through my trauma and get through the fact that these boys were just out walking the streets like nothing had ever happened. I don't think I'll ever be over it. But I definitely feel like I've healed in a lot of ways throughout the years. Dawson healed over the years and heard little about what became of the four guys who assaulted her. But I did some digging. One of them became a sound cloud rapper. And he's not a good one, okay? so (laughs) None of them are. Right. So that's one. Now let's switch to the ringleader. So I was very surprised to read an article about how the ringleader in this story was shot and killed on February 24th of 2001 after a convenience store clerk suspected him of stealing something. And the convenience store clerk who shot him was actually arrested for murder. Wow. I was stunned to read that. And Dawson, you know, when I asked her about it, that was stunning to her too. It's hard to believe, but that it, that is what happened. But, you know, it doesn't really matter what happened to these guys because the story was never about them. This story was always about Dawson and about how she did the right thing and how she processed her experience and really what she learned ultimately. And now it's about what she can offer others. There needs to be better teaching in schools and by parents on that subject because it it seems very overlooked. 
I really want to help others and help people who have gone through the same thing I've gone through or are going through it right now. I started a podcast called Reclaim, and it's all about reclaiming your mind, body, and spirit after surviving sexual assault. It's to have survivors come on and tell their story and also shut down the stigmas and assumptions of sexual assault survivors. People think that you should respond or act in a certain way when you've been assaulted, but that's just not the case. Everyone reacts differently. Some people are hypersexual. Some people feel like they can't be touched. Some people use substances to heal. There's so many different things. For better or for worse, Dawson has more wisdom than the average person from having gone through such a traumatizing experience. I learned about the dark side of people. I think I had a very trusting nature and I wanted to think, oh, if I'm too drunk, then someone will just help me go to bed and then I'll just go to sleep and I'll wake up and I'll be okay. It made me realize you can't trust everyone. Sexual assault is so normalized in our society that so many women and even men don't realize they've been assaulted. So it's really important to bring awareness to these issues. Dawson's also realized that she doesn't need anyone else to validate what happened to her. Getting closure, and I put that in air quotes, closure is a a funny word to me. You don't get closure from others. Mm -hmm. You get closure when you reconcile things with yourself. Getting closure from the justice system or from others or validation from a justice system or others, I think that's a myth. These are things we find within ourselves, and Dawson's done a really great job of, of doing it with nobody else. I think throughout the years, I've realized who cares what people believe, and if people don't believe me, fuck them. These people in Rockwall, these boys who did this to me, their friends, their families, all these people, like, fuck them. Like, this is my story. She has the right attitude. I mean, fuck them. Fuck them. Like, don't believe her? Fuck them. Like, and I think Dawson is a great example of not all of these stories have the endings they deserve. Yeah. You know, not every criminal is held accountable, but she's in control of, of her state and how she feels. And I think she's nailed it. While I was really nervous in the beginning of this, I feel really good about everything we talked about today. And it, this is the first time, I think, since I was at the police station that I really said the whole story from like top to bottom, like every detail. And it was really healing for me. So I really appreciate you bringing me on. I love the first degree. And we love you too, Dawson. And seriously, we couldn't do this show without people like you. And, you know, looking back and other stories we've told that have parallels to this, people have gotten their justice. You know, think about our sextortion episode. Think about our Mr. Sanger episode. Yeah. Dawson didn't get that kind of justice or closure, not in the courtroom. But this really is a story of a girl who didn't get that justice, but created her own when everyone failed her, including the system. So thank you again, Dawson, for sharing your story with us. If you are listening out there and you have a story to tell, no story is too insignificant or small. So please email us. Hello at the first degree podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group, join our Patreon because we have so much bonus content for you over there and stick around tomorrow because we'll have a brand new episode of killing time right in your feed. And remember only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close, but not that close.